Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Hits Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live, and thank you very much for joining us here uh, live this Thursday evening, September 2nd, um, already into uh, a new month. It's hard to believe. Uh, the months just seem to be... Uh, slipping by. I don't know where they're going, but they're going by quick. And before uh, too long, the, the leaves will be changing in uh, certain areas and we'll be uh, celebrating fall and Thanksgiving and all the other good things that come with it. All right. I, once again, thanks everybody for tuning in. We've got a great show. We're going to be starting off here in just a moment with uh, a great panel discussion on Coach's Corner, and I'll introduce the, uh, tonight's guests. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by uh, two special guests, Zach Williams. He's the co-founder and lead product innovator at DriveForce, uh, which is a great um, uh, product. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And he's going to be joined by Adam Koloff. He is an owner and director of instruction at Pure Drive Golf. Uh, they'll be joining me on the second half of the show, so I hope you'll stick around. All right, uh, on the show tonight on Coach's Corner is two great professionals. First off is Sue Weger. She is a number one best-selling international author, motivational speaker, and peak performance coach. Uh, she's a 24-plus year LBJ Class A golf professional and owner of Uyghur Consulting, LLC. Uh, also rounding up the panel is Brandon Stukesbury, uh, head golf professional at the historic Metairie uh, Country Club outside New Orleans. Uh, he's an Amazon uh, number one best-selling author of two books, The Wedge Book and uh, now more recently The Putter Book. Uh, for the last 10 years, he's been ranked among the top 10 teachers in his state uh, by Golf Digest and was part of the magazine's Elite Best Young Teachers list, uh, three-time PGA Teacher of the Year and a regular contributor in golf media around the world, plus a Golf Tips tw Top 25 instructor. So, uh, Sue and, and Brandon, welcome back to Coach's Corner here in Golf Talk Live. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate you. Look forward to yeah, the show. Thanks so much for the opportunity, thanks. man. I appreciate it. It's always fun. Not a problem. All right, so we're going to have sort of a mixed bag, if you will, on, on the show tonight. We're going to talk about a few different things. Uh, but first and foremost, I want to start. Sue, I'm going to start with you on this one here, if you don't mind. Um, you know, as, as teacher professionals, we always want to, or we hope anyways, our, our students come prepared to uh, a lesson. Uh, and there's a number of different things that we're going to talk about. But um, what should a new, particularly new students, do, if anything, uh, to prepare for their first lesson with you? I think the first thing is I always tell them is come in with an open mind because a lot of them have um, kind of predetermined, um, I wouldn't say philosophies, but <laughs> predetermined expectations. 
And so I just tell mm-hmm. them, I said, just come up, with, come with an open mind because what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to talk about body, we're going to talk about mind, we're going to talk about golf swing, um, we're going to talk about it all. But <clears throat> a lot of beginners come a, a little intimidated because they're not sure what to expect. And um, so I always tell them, I said, you know, just be yourself because standing over a golf ball, you want you, we want you to be yourself, number one. And so that's the first thing I tell them is just come in with an open mind and because you're a student of the game because that's what beginners are all about. It's like just be open and it have, you know, have an open mind so that you're going to take in the information rather than having, you know, I want to say um, any, you know, prejudged notion of what, of what you're going to do. Um, just stay open with and taking the information, and then we're going to filter it as you go through because a lot of people, um, what I ask a lot of my, especially my beginners, I always say to you, I said, so do you think you're a left-brainer or a right-brainer? And to play good golf, you want to be on the right right side of your brain. And so, mm-hmm. so that's one of the questions I ask a lot of my clients when they come to the fir- their first lesson, especially as the beginners. And I said, you know, as a left-brainer, it's okay to take in information, but you don't want to go through when you're standing over a golf ball. You don't want to go through a checklist. We want you to be on your right side of the brain to right. get really good shots. And mm-hmm. that's one of the first things that is to help them understand, the, to help them balance their brain out instead of being so overwhelmed about, okay, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this, and they go through their checklist, and before you know it, they're standing over a golf ball and they haven't hit one yet. And Right. I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the struggle a lot of beginners think that they have to do. They have to go through their, you know, okay, 20 point checklist. I'm like, "No, we're not going to do that. We are going to we're going to we'll cover a couple of basics, but then we're going to create a motion and in order to create a good motion and a creative motion, you have to be on the right side of your brain." And so that's one of the things that I always talk to my a lot of my clients when they first come to the first tee, especially with beginners is like, "Okay, let's Let's understand a couple of things in regards to when you're standing over a ball. It's we want to, we want you to create the shot. We don't want you to think about the shot. We want you to create the shot. So that's one of the things that I work mm-hmm. on with all my players is just to help them understand how the brain works, and so that if the brain works right, the body will work differently too. Right. Well said. Um, and, and I think you you raise a, a very valid point. Uh, a lot of People, um, particularly if they've never, you know, been to an instructor before, sometimes will watch things uh, on either on TV or, or uh, research things online because they, they don't want to feel stupid when they come to the lesson, so they're trying to gather information. A lot of times, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of misinformation that gets crept in there, so you don't want to spend most of your time uh, deflecting, you know, something else they've seen you want to basically Mm -hmm. uh get them interested and and excited about learning the game as opposed to coming with preconceived notions so that's a great point brandon i'm going to instead of giving you the same question i'm going to flip it in reverse for you and if you've got a new student coming to you what are you going to do to prepare for that first lesson what are you going to do to prepare to make sure that that individual uh has an impactful first lesson with you Oh, sorry, I'm on mute. I'm going to tell you a really quick, funny story first because 
uh, I, if I had not been on mute, I would have laughed out loud when Sue said something. She said, you, you tell the students to be yourself. I had, I, had, I had a member come take a lesson from me one time at 9 a.m. in the morning, and he showed up with a beer in his hand. And I'd never taught him before, but I knew him pretty well. And I said, you know, Jimmy, isn't it a little bit early to be drinking? He was like, well, why? He was like, this is what I'm like on the golf course. I may as well come to my lesson the same way. And I said, okay, fair, fair enough. And so uh, she, she made me she made me laugh and she said, just be yourself. But anyway, um, so I, look, I, one of the one of the biggest challenges um, I have as a coach is bringing preconceived notions with me into a lesson, right? Especially in mm-hmm. my environment when I work in a private club and I, I play golf with these people, I get to know these members off the lesson team, right? And so I, I hear them, I hear them talk, I hear them say what they say and act how they act, and I know what they do for a living. And it's, you know, I have to watch myself to not develop these preconceived notions. Oh, he's an engineer, so he must be an analytical guy. Well, that may not be true at right. all. Um, you know, and, and, and so sometimes I catch myself doing that. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm very wrong, and, and it's a really bad habit. I don't like it, um, but, but I have to watch myself sometimes. And so I, I really have to be careful. Um, and, you know, when I'm preparing for a lesson to try to wipe the slate clean um, and, and listen more instead of trying to think of what I'm going to say back to the student after they say what I think they're going to say. Um, and so I, that's probably one of my bigger challenges when I see a new student, just because of the environment I am. Typically, I know them before they come to the tee, and so that, that makes it tougher for me. Yeah, some great points as well. And I think something else, you know, we and you'll both understand uh, when I say this here in a, in a minute. I think one of the things that we always hear in golf is uh, when somebody new is coming is, well, we need to do an assessment, which is true. We need to understand where they're at at this point in the juncture. But I think even more importantly, I think the very first time that we're engaged with this individual, as much as we want them to listen to what we're instructing or what we're talking about, we need to listen twice as much to them. Because I think it's important that we get an understanding of not only where they're at, but what their needs and wants and desires are. Because too often, sometimes we impose, as you said, we put preconceived uh, notions or injections into our lessons and just assume that he or she is at a certain level or uh, is going to be taught a certain way. So I think as instructors, it's very important right from the get-go that we understand our students, especially the first time around. Because if we don't listen and don't really gather that information from the get-go, we could be two or three lessons in and be going down a path that maybe is not really going to help that individual. So I think it's very important that not only does the student listen, but I think the teachers also have to listen very early on to make sure they really understand what the student wants and what their expectations are uh, coming into their lessons. So some great points, guys, on both ends. And um, I want to move on to um, this question is sort of a follow-up. Uh, to those questions, and that, sh- uh, and I'm going to go in the same order again, Sue, with you, is what should students be doing before they come back for the next lesson and beyond? What is it that you? What are your expectations of your students, Sue, um, after they've come for a lesson? It might be the first one, it might be the second or third, what have you. Um, what is it that you expect from them before they come back to see you the next time? 
Yeah, what I always do is we always conclude the lesson, and the first thing I always ask them is, number one is, what did you learn? And I always, and I just have them repeat, okay, so what did you learn today? And because I want to hear it from them, um, number one. And then number two, mm-hmm. what I always ask them in the sense that, okay, so here's what I want you to do between the next, between now and the next lesson. So we go through, I won't say a checklist, but we'll go through, okay, what do you think the most important thing is, is that, that you learned today? Okay, so how can, we, how can we take that into a practice of an individual practice, for example? Um, whether or not it's, you know, if it's putting or chipping or pitching or if it's full swing, what could you do going forward between, between now and the next lesson? And we usually have a pretty good, pretty good plan. So if it's putting, I usually give them probably like three to four drills so that, that that's what I expect them to do except in between lessons. So if it's putting, for example, then say, okay, here's three drills I want you to work on in between, uh, in between lessons. If it's chipping, whether or not it's distance control, um, whether or not it's maybe they're not used to using their sand wedge and pitching because a lot of my players, they come and they say, well, they're very confused on how to use a pitching wedge versus a sand wedge versus a gap wedge. And so we work on, you know, distance control. And so I would say, okay, I want you to work on a 10-yard shot into a green, but I want you to work on all three of your clubs. Let's say they have a pitching wedge, a gap wedge, and a sand wedge. So I will have them work on all three of those clubs at that same distance just so that they can see the differential between the three different clubs. Um, or it might be if it's a, a sand shot. Um, it might be a, um, going through like a plug lie or a good lie, um, or it might be even an uneven lie or, um, you know, uphill, downhill, side hill, et cetera. So I usually, um, in between lessons, I'll just say, okay, here's your goals, you know, here's what I want you to do, here's some drills, and then work on those drills between the next, between the next lesson. And we go through and, we exp- and I explain to them and show them exactly what, they wa- what I want them to do. So it's not like they're like, okay, it's not a verbal command. It's just like, okay, so let's go over here in a 10-yard shot and let's talk about, you know, here's, here's your pitching wedge, here's your sand wedge, and here's your gap wedge. What's the, what's the differential between the, between the three clubs, for example? Or it might be chipping, um, coming from um, like three to five yards off of a green, and I want them to work on, their their eight, their nine, and their pitching wedge, and show and so that they can see the differential um, from that from that shot making. So it's just it's giving mm-hmm. them it's actually giving them some direction. Giving them, it's just like any other um, teacher, if you may, is giving them homework. You know, in the sense that right. okay, here's your homework between now and the next lesson, and that's what I do. I always like um, show them uh, the differentials uh, between. Um, like I said, the the chipping and the pitching, and that's what we talk about, because a lot of a lot of players don't know the difference between chipping and pitching, and that's the first, one of the questions I always ask in all my short game workshops. And they'll say, "Okay, right. who can tell me the difference between chipping and pitching?" And most, I will say, about seventy five percent of them get it wrong. <laughs> um, right. But right. Yeah, and that's what we and that's what we talk about. So we just give them homework, and I like to say, "Okay, so what's your golf homework um, between now and then?" And that's what we talk about. We give them homework. Yeah, that's a great point. And 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 you know, Brandon, I think that um as a as an instructor, I think one of the worst um issues or difficulties that we have is 
not only preparing the student um, for each lesson, what we want them to to be working on, um, but it, further encouraging them to do that while they're away from us uh, before they come to the next. There's nothing worse than having a student come back and saying, well, you know, it's been a week and a half or two weeks since our last lesson, and well, you know, this was busy or I couldn't do that and I, I didn't get a chance to go to the golf course. Do you have any requirements for them before they come back? And if so, what typically do you try to uh, get them to focus on, if anything? And if they're not prepared, if, they're, if they haven't done their homework, as Sue put it, um, do you say maybe we need to delay this a little bit further until you've had a chance to, to go through some of the things we did last time? What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I would I would never delay, and, and I'll tell you why because I don't want any any of the listeners to think that that's a ploy to just not lose the the, the money for the lesson. Uh, I'll come back to that. Uh, you know, look, my, my environment's a little different, right? Uh, and what I mean is, again, working in the club environment, you know, I, I get a lot of members that that sometimes golf lessons are as much about entertainment and a break away than it is about right. actually getting better, you know, and, and, and that's tough for me because I'm definitely the coach that, you know, expects and, and, and demands and wants them to, you know, to push. But if I had, if I had a restriction that I won't see you again until you do X, I would not be very busy. <laughs> um Right. It's just the environment that I work in. And so now I'll come back to that. What I usually say to them is inevitably when that happens, you know, when, when they when they come back and they say, you know, well, I haven't had a chance or, or whatever, this is what I say to them. Well, you realize that we're, we're likely going to be covering the same information that we covered last time. And I always say to them, you know, to, to be, you know, to be frank, this is going to be a fantastic lesson because you're essentially going to get a supervised practice session from me, right. a personal, private, supervised practice session, because we're going to take you through the drills and homework, as Sue puts it, that I gave you to do mm-hmm. on your own for two reasons. Number one, I, I, I want another opportunity to make sure you understand how to set up the drill or how to do the homework. It gives me an opportunity to help you understand the intensity that I want you putting into the time that you're practicing. But more importantly, or most importantly, it's an opportunity for me to supervise, to make sure that every single rep is done to the max, you know, maximum efficiency or whatever we're trying to get done. And I always laugh and say, you know, this is a very expensive way to practice. <laughs> you're paying me by the hour for this, Right. And so you can do this on your own, you know, and and it not be nearly as expensive to practice this way. And I kind of make a joke about it, right? And that's kind of my way of guilting them into, you know, into doing it on their own. But but look, I think it's a fact of life, right? I mean, people want to get better at golf, but at the end of the day, golf is rarely, sometimes it is, but rarely the top priority in people's lives all the time. Um, certainly in the club environment. Now, you know, if you're in an academy environment and you can sort of, through your programming and your pricing and your structure, select out the students that are only serious, I mean, I think that's awesome. Um, but that's just not the world mm-hmm. I live in. And so that's a very normal occurrence, and that's sort of how I, I, I try to handle that. At my former club, I actually ended up setting up a supervised practice session 
that I would do for two hours on a Wednesday night, um, and I did it that I did it. The, I, the only the only people that had access to it were those that were currently in some sort of instruction program or were taking lessons from me. Now it was an additional charge, but it carried a much lower right. charge per hour than right. a private lesson did. Mm-hmm. And I did that for those people, you know, for those business professionals or or folks that have young kids and they get pulled in in ten different directions in a week, and it gives them another opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I call it a touch point, right? It gives me another opportunity to, to put my hands on them, you know, in a week in case they don't have the time to get away on their own. And so those are a couple of ways that I've I've dealt with that. But the last thing I would do would be send them away or cancel a lesson mm-hmm. because they haven't had a time to had a chance to practice because that provides a perfect opportunity as a coach for you to coach them on how to practice. Um, and, and enough yep. jokes about how it's an expensive way to practice, and generally they get the point. <laughs> right. And, and that, that's really a, a, great, a great point, Brandon. And the truth of the matter is it's not just uh, exclusive to the, to the country club uh, atmosphere. I mean, even at your uh, public mm-hmm. courses and things, people just don't – practice is not something – you know, it, it, it's to, to coin Sue's phrase, homework – I mean, I know when I went to school and the teacher said, well, we've got some homework for you tonight. He was like, oi. You know, I mean, that was the last mm-hmm. thing we wanted to hear, you know, them say. Um, so, you know, people will find sometimes their own excuses not, not to have to go back out. And I think a, a sort of a forced practice session, uh, if you will, it, it can be a good thing because it, it, it allows you as, a, as an instructor or coach the opportunity to really watch your student to make sure they're performing them correctly because there's nothing worse than they're going away for a week or two weeks or whatever the case is and they're practicing a bunch of things that you've given them and they're doing it incorrectly only to find the next time you come back and they're showing you things and they've now spent the last two weeks ingraining incorrect movements because they didn't fully understand the drill or the tip or what have you so uh, I think sometimes Brandon your your uh, way of approaching it uh, might actually be a good thing. And, uh, yeah, it might cost them a little bit more, but it gives us an opportunity to to really dial in and watch them uh, uh, go through the process a little bit more intently. Um, all right, well, Sue, I'm going to well, give well, you this look, one here. Uh, Sorry, uh, go uh, ahead. The, list, the listeners, it's important to understand, right, that when you make the comment about the teacher saying, you know, homework and we all grown, look, we do everything we can as coaches to make – instruction and golf and whatever fun um and some of us are better at it than others but at the end of the day (laughs) they have voluntarily come to you and and told Mm -hmm. you that they're willing to pay you to help them get better at a complex motor skill at some Mm -hmm. point they have assumed or should have assumed some responsibility to actually put work into that complex motor skill. And and so I think it's incumbent upon us as coaches to do two things. Mm -hmm. One, to create programming for people that may not be getting into instruction for that reason, that may very well be getting into instruction just to get a little bit better at something so they can go out with their pals and, and, you know, it doesn't need to be quite as intensive. And so I think it's incumbent upon us as coaches to create said programming, and then it's also incumbent upon us to 
help our student understand where they need to go in our programming so that we don't get to that place where they're groaning when we're assigning homework. Because if they're groaning when we're assigning homework, then I could make the argument they're in the wrong program, right? Because mm -hmm. they right. don't understand that what they're right. asking for requires what different than what they're expecting to put in. And, and so, mm -hmm. and that's as much our fault as coaches as it is their fault as a player, you know, and, and, and sometimes I think that's where the disconnect, you know, comes in is that, that people just assume that if I go pay this guy or this girl to help me get better, then miraculously I'm going to get better. And I know we all know we're intelligent and all of us are intelligent enough to know that that's not the case, but that's just, that's right. how we think. That's how we think as humans, right? And so there's, there's an education process that has to happen between coach and student at every level. And I think Sue would agree with me at no matter the level, there's got to be a conversation about what you want and what it's going to require, mm -hmm. and can you afford that? And I don't mean afford it in money. I mean afford it in, mm -hmm. in time, afford it in, mm -hmm. you know, concentration, afford it in effort. And, and, and there's got to be that conversation because if you can't, you know, if you've got a if you've got a, a an accountant in the middle of eight, you know in the middle of March that comes to you and says I want to lower my handicap five shots, I, I'm going to laugh at him because I, you're not going to be able to give me the amount of time in in April as an accountant to be able to work on your game to do what you're asking, right? So 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 is there a way we can right. put you in another program? And, and let you have some fun and keep you engaged, and maybe we learn a few small things here or there, and then we'll get more serious in June, right? Because if we right. don't have that conversation as students or as coaches with our students, then it sets everybody up for failure. And so I'm going to get off yep. my soapbox now, but, but that, that's important. I mean, you know, it, we have a responsibility yep. as much as the students do, but both have a responsibility in that conversation. Well, and I think this goes back to, you know, really from the very get-go is having a, an understanding between the student and teacher of what expectations on both sides, what the student, uh, what their expectations and their wants and desires are, and what the coach has as far as expectations, as far as level of commitment and so forth. I think there has to be that early communication so that there isn't uh, misunderstandings or situations where you get people coming out to, to lessons and not really understanding what to expect uh, out of the lesson or, uh, you know, not doing their part, if you will. And the coach, you're right, has to do his or her part uh, equally uh, as, as should the student. All right, I want to talk about, um, you know, and this is something that everybody uh, at some point might play in, in. It could be a corporate event. It might be their club championship. Everybody wants to be as prepared as possible. Um, so I'm going to go to Sue on this uh, first, and then Brandon, I want you to, uh, to, to jump in as well. Um, preparing for a club event, we'll say as a club event or a special event, um, there are three areas really that I think need to be addressed. There's physically, as far as preparing physically for the game uh, or tournament, mentally and also emotionally. What are some points that you would touch on with your student to help them prepare for that event uh, coming up? Well, I think as far as, like, you know, emotionally, number one is to trust themselves. A lot of the players, like, when they start, they're, you know, when, especially if it's a big event, let's say it's a club championship, 
um, you know, they get so wrapped up in to all of the, you know, I'm going to say all of the other external factors. And I, and I tell them, and I said, the first thing is emotionally is you just need to trust yourself. And that's the first thing. I said, just play your game and trust yourself. And we use the, we use the term of what I call no stinking thinking <laughs> when you're over a right. golf shot. And just to trust yourself. And that's the first thing. As far as physically, you know, it, <clears throat> that's going to be what I want to say. Um, uh, what I want to say. Uh, a little bit of fluid. Uh, fluidity, meaning sometimes, you know, when they're walking, it, whether or not it's a club championship or if it's a tournament or whatever, um, you know, our body shows up as our body. So what are they doing to prepare themselves so that, that, you know, they can, they can have a, what I want to say is a, a, a physicalness that they feel and then they can trust with it. Because, as you know, you know, things change on a daily basis with our body. And it, whether or not, you know, if, they're, you know, if a golfer is going to go work out and do some golf fitness programs and things like that, that's great. But we also know that when they come into – a golf tournament, something might have changed within their body. And as we all know, is that your golf swing is going to be, is going to be dependent on how your body feels. And how your body feels is also how that is going to determine how emotionally you're going to feel. And I think a lot of the times people have expectations that are a little bit too high um, when they walk into um, whether or not it's a you know a club championship or a tournament, if their body's not feeling a hundred percent, their expectations are a little bit too high. And what I tell them, I said, you know, just go with the flow, trust yourself, and be yourself. Which means if your body is let's say eighty-five percent okay, then play within that eighty-five percent. Try not to play over and above that. Because that's when they get into trouble. They try to overextend themselves. Maybe they're trying to make a bigger swing or, um, you know, have some issues going on, um, you know, with their body at that particular day. I said, be who you are that day. So, for example, if you hit, uh, I tell them, for example, if you hit like a, let's say you hit a seven iron 130 yards. And today you're only hitting 125. That's okay. Be that player that day and adjust as you go through that particular tournament or that particular, you know, that round of golf. But a lot of the time, so many players, you know, they're like they try and they try and they try and then they try to hit harder and then they get into trouble because, you know, the number one, the body is not what I call up to par that day. And then they try to overextend themselves, and that's when they usually get into trouble. So I tell them, I said, just be who you are that day. So it's okay if you're hitting it a little bit less. Just manage that a little bit differently. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of players don't do because they just have this expectation, well, I'm supposed to hit a 7-iron 135 yards instead of 130 yards. And I'm like, it, that's okay. But you have to manage it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Even the best, best players on tour have times where they have days that, you know, they're not hitting it, what I call centerness of contact. And so 
there are times that they have to make adjustments. And that's where they're usually their caddy comes into play. <laughs> but unfortunately, right. amateurs don't have caddies. And they have to have they have to be their own best caddy. And I I think a lot of the times they don't bring their best <laughs> their best caddy with them. <laughs> they usually <laughs> they usually are thinking, okay, well, you know, yesterday I hit my seven iron hundred and let's say hundred and twenty five yards. And that's that's what I'm gonna expect today. But as we all know, the golf is is ever changing because it's how the body shows up on a, on a daily basis. And so I said, it, you know, I just mm-hmm. tell him, I said, you have to manage that and you have to understand it. And you also have to be okay with it. And a lot of players aren't okay with it because they always want to stand up right. there and say, no, my iron is supposed to go 130 yards, but it's only going 125, so I'm going to try harder. And then that's when they get into trouble with certain, um, certain shots or certain distances. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they end up, you know, scoring – a little bit outside, let's say their handicap or whatever it may be. And I think that's one of the issues is that, you know, be who you are that day and manage that instead of trying harder to hit, okay, I'm going to hit a little farther. I'm going to try a little harder. No trying. There's no trying in golf. You you just show up and you you swing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You have to play with whatever game you have that particular day. Brandon, I want to get your thoughts on this because I know you you mentioned you, of course, work at a country club and you have a lot of uh, folks that uh, prepare for uh, the club championship. But I want to add one more little caveat, if I will, to uh, to the question for you. Um, and, and that is, you know, a lot of players don't know when to play it safe or more conservative, if you will, or when to go for it. Um, so as you answer this question and, and helping them to prepare for uh, an upcoming club event uh, in, in the areas that we've been talking about here, I want you to add that in there as well. Um, again, through conversations and through working and coaching the individual, you get kind of a feel of the type of player they are. But uh, again, there might be times when you need to pull it back a little bit and there might be other times when you need to go for it. Or do we just go for it all the time? It's a club championship. You want to be successful and hopefully win. So do we throw conservative out the, out the window? What are your thoughts? Sorry, I keep forgetting to take myself off mute. Um, I would go That's... on the other side of that, actually. Um, I, I, would, I okay. would tell you that less of the time I would tell anybody to go for it, right? Because mm-hmm. to Sue's mm-hmm. point, going for it means you're out of comfort. Like you're, you're mm-hmm. trying too hard, right? You're... And so mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. You're saying be more aggressive in your strategy, but that's not what mm-hmm. they hear when they say go for it, right? Um, it's just amateur golfers as a whole just don't think that way, right? And so I would tell you at, at any level except the, you know, the, the championship A flight club championship, right, where those guys are, you know, guys or girls are going to shoot, you know, in the, in the mid to low 70s or better, um, more conservative is always the better approach. I think it was Tiger who was quoted saying one time that I choose the most conservative line I can so that I can make as aggressive a swing as I can, right? And, again, mm-hmm. aggressiveness doesn't mean aggressive in effort level, right? It means there's no fear. There's, there, you know, you, you have, there's no guiding 
There's no concern. There's no worry because you know your strategy has hedged your bet as much as possible around whatever challenge or, or you know, obstacle or whatever you're, you know, you're, you're going for. And so I generally give people the advice relative to, to going for it. I want you to hit the shot that you are most comfortable hitting. If you're standing over it and you're saying, well, here's a shot I want to hit, ask yourself the question, are you comfortable hitting that? And if the answer is no, choose a different shot. It doesn't matter that the shot mm-hmm. you're most comfortable with might not be the highest odds. I say that in short game a lot. You know, well, the highest odds shot would be to hit it higher and a little softer and land it on the green, but I'm not comfortable hitting that off this lie. Okay, then bounce it through the grass. Well, it's a little tight lie. I'm worried, okay, put it. Like, I understand that that's not the, the highest or that that's not the, the, the best shot, but it's the best shot for you in this particular moment. Mm-hmm. And so play the shot that you're most comfortable with, and then let's go learn how to be comfortable with the one that's actually the best shot, if that makes sense. And so that's generally yep. how I approach that strategy. I, you know, I, I think I'm going to use the word incumbent again. I like that word a lot. I think it's incumbent upon us as coaches that we incorporate that type of training into our programs, Right? I've told this story before, and mm-hmm. so if I've told it on, on the air before, I apologize. But I put, try to put my students in situations where they have some pressure and they feel some of that stress in a training environment. And so I have some kids, uh, and I will gamble with the kids. Um, and I realize that this might not go over well with every listener, but hang with me. And so I will actually <laughs> take their money. Now, I have a conversation with the parent beforehand, unbeknownst to the kid, and I say, listen, this is how I'm going to train this kid. I'm going to bet, you know, him or her $5 or $10 or $20 or whatever, you know, the comfort level is. And I said, when I win, because I'm going to win more often than not because I'm going to hedge the game for me to win because that's what I'm trying to do is train them, I will keep this money, and when I have amassed enough money to pay for a lesson, I'll use that money to pay for the lesson. But but the kid isn't going to know that, right? The kid mm-hmm. is going to think you keep paying me because I need to train this kid. I need him, him or her, under pressure outside of a tournament situation so that we can mm-hmm. talk about the emotions that Sue talked about. We can talk about how your body and how your brain change and how they how they react and do things differently when you're under pressure versus when you're not how your breathing, you know, changes, how your heartbeat changes, how all that affects the decisions you make. If we can train that, I mean, look, this is why football teams scrimmage. That's the purpose Mm -hmm. of a scrimmage, right, is to try to create game-time-like pressure in a non-game-time-like environment, meaning it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't count for anything, but we try to get you to be in that environment so we can see how you react and we can create learning opportunities from that. And so that's a game I play with my kids. Um, and if I keep telling it on the air like this, somebody's going to get wise eventually and I'm going to lose my little, <laughs> my, my little upper hand. But, um, but I mean, it, it's a great way to get kids in an environment. Sometimes I do it with adults too, if you get the right adult, but, but, it's incumbent upon us as coaches to put them in those situations as much as we can. 
outside of the actual tournament so that we can train them on what happens inside the tournament, and then they're prepared for it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great, uh, a great analogy and a great way to, to present it because you, you're exactly right. You know, quite often, you know, we, one of the things that we want to do as, as coaches and, and as teach professionals is we want to get our students out on the golf course in real-life situations, and we want to put them under pressure uh, because they're going to be faced with that when they play in their club championship, or if they're uh, you know a collegiate uh, player, they're going to be faced with different challenges and different levels of pressure. And if they haven't really been taught that along the way, um, then it's going to be uh, a whole. You know, it, what's interesting is it, it reminds me of speaking with some of the young ladies uh, that uh, Cindy Miller and I, of course, LPJ professional Cindy Miller and I host another show Tuesday mornings called The Women of Golf. And we have the honor and pleasure of, of interviewing a lot of the winners from the Symmetra Tour, which, of course, leads into the LPJ Tour. And what's interesting is some of the players, will, when we're having our conversations, will say, you know what, I didn't really fully appreciate, even though they've maybe competed collegiately or, or otherwise in junior golf, really didn't understand the level of pressure when they got out on tour, whether it be the Symmetra or even the LPJ tour, they didn't fully understand just how much pressure packed it was. Because now, you know, it's not just a group of, of you know, uh, young kids that are playing in a, in a local junior tournament. They're now on center stage. So, again, the more that we can do to prepare them to be able to handle some of those adversities that they might be challenged with out in the golf course and the pressures of now having to actually perform uh, at a higher level, um, is, is going to serve them well in the long run. And it's amazing how many of these young ladies, now many of them are very well trained, but there are some that have come on uh, over the years on the show who have not fully appreciated that level of pressure until they actually got out there. Um, so it was kind of interesting, and it's a, a great way to approach that. Um, Sue, I'm going to come back to you, and, and this is the question that I think it goes into sort of the mental part of the game. And that is, you know, we all uh, lose more often than we win uh, at, at anything in life. Um, and mm-hmm. we've seen it at the highest levels uh, of, of our sport or of our game uh, where somebody loses uh, that particular event. Um, but how we help them deal with that loss um, can be either detrimental or could be advantageous. How do you help a mm-hmm. student? And, and use maybe an example of, of a, you know, a player. I don't mean literally an example of, of a specific player, but um, maybe with mm-hmm. a collegiate player or, or a professional that you've worked with. Um, what was the conversation like with them and how they handled a loss? Well, a loss, you know, is... What do I want to say? Um, it's relative. So I will tell, I will ask them, you know, after, let's say a collegiate player comes and after they play in a tournament and they didn't win it, for example, I will ask them, I'll say, what is your wins today? Let's focus on your wins today. So let's go through the list of wins. Not, not the list of losses. Let's go through the list of wins. Because what they take from that as they go forward 
Because if you focus on what you don't do, I mean, I have a, I have a, I have a crazy exercise I do with everyone, all of my players, and it's just a, um, it's a string, and a string is attached to a key, and they're sitting down there with me, and there's a, um, there's a clock in front of them on a piece of paper, and it just has like you know twelve, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And I show them exactly what their thoughts are things and their thoughts are energy. So I said, so I always tell them, I said, so let's talk about this. And so I go through this little exercise of what I call a key exercise because your energy or your thoughts are energy. So whenever I do this exercise, what happens is whatever they're thinking about is what happens. So... I show them with this exercise is that, um, you know, they're just basically they're securing the key and the string right over the middle of the, what I want to call the middle of the dot, or the, not the middle of the dot, in the middle of the clock. And I said, okay, now I want you to think about 12 to 6. And that's all I want you to think about. Don't move the key, but just think about 12 to 6. And what happens is because dots are energy, the key starts moving from 12 to 6 without them moving anything because it's a thought. And that thought creates energy. And so I, we talk about that all the time because let's talk about your wins. So let's focus on the positive. And let's not focus on what you didn't do. Let's focus on what you did do. And then after we talk about that and we say, okay, so let's talk about the things that didn't go so well. But the main focus is going to be what did you do well? Because that's what we want to take forward. We don't want to take like what you didn't do well and focus on that. We want to focus on what you did well, okay? And then we'll create a strategy behind the things that you didn't do so well. But I always have my players thinking, okay, what was positive about it and what was good about it first? And that's really important because when you train the brain, everybody, if you focus on the negative, what do you get more of? You get more of the negative. So we train on, okay, what was more positive? What would what worked today? Because then they're like, oh, I feel better about myself because that's what – now, yes, you may not have won the tournament, but what did you do well? And then we'll create and we'll talk about strategies like, okay, so let's talk about – what didn't you do so well that, okay, how could we change it? How could we change, like, maybe it, was a, maybe it was your short game or maybe it was your putting wasn't so well. So let's create a strategy around that instead of, like, focusing, like, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't do that. It's not, that's not what it's about. Let's focus on what you did do well and anchor that and feel good about yourself. And then let's create a strategy around what didn't you do well and then let's create that, let's talk about that strategy. Like I said, maybe it was putting or maybe it was chipping or maybe it was pitching or whatever it may be. And let's create a strategy around that. And then let's create a practice schedule or um, a strategy in regards to our next session about let's help you um, take it to the next level of the things that you didn't, that you didn't enjoy that happened on the golf course today. But I really want to mm-hmm. always have my players always think about what did you do well first? Not what you didn't do well, but what did you do well? Because that's what I want you to anchor instead of like, well, you know, I, 
shot, let's say I shot an 86 and I normally shoot a 76 or 78 or whatever it may be. And I'm like, I don't want you to focus on that. I want you to focus on what did you do well. And let's talk about that mm-hmm. and let's build that foundation. And then let's talk about the strategies of, okay, what didn't you do so well that you didn't really so-called enjoy? And then we'll talk about that. And then we create a strategy around that, that so that we have a plan in place instead of just saying, well, I didn't play very well. Okay, let's break right. that down a little bit. Let's break it down Right, Mindset. Bit. Yeah, their mindset comes into play at, at that point because, yeah, you don't want them dwelling and focusing on, on the, the, the difficulties that they face during that particular event. Uh, Brandon, I want to get your thoughts on this as well because I want to, uh, again, sort of twist it just slightly for you. Um, but there are going to be some areas, for instance, maybe you've got a player that's played an event and their putter uh, was a little bit suspect, and that's really the main part uh, of their game that let them down. Do you now adjust the program that you've been working with them over the last you know, maybe few months and preparing for some of these events uh, to now f- suddenly start focusing on putting because that's what's let them down, uh, or do you sort of keep moving forward with, with the agenda but maybe adding some extra components in areas that they were weakest in during those events? How would you handle a situation where somebody's had a loss and you've been able to identify some specific areas that they need tweaking? Yeah, look, I think in a perfect... Okay, good. I thought I'd done it again. Um, Sorry. No, you're there. Look, in a perfect perfect world, in in the right coaching environment, particularly for, you know, an, an elite player or someone... Not elite was the wrong word for someone who's mm. playing or, or practicing and improving to play in a tournament, right? Um, if you're that far behind in your lessons, then then you've done something wrong as a coach. And what I mean by that, a, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Brett McCabe, a sports psychologist, said if you use yesterday's results to determine tomorrow's strategy, you'll always be in a in a in a cycle of failure. Right, And so when I'm coaching mm-hmm. you, I'm not coaching you based on what you did in the event last week or yesterday right. to prepare you for what we're doing tomorrow. We, we did that weeks or months ago, right? I mean, so, so, so mm-hmm. I, I would almost say that if, if, the, if the relationship is going the way it's supposed to go, then we have a conversation about how strategy might need to change because we're not mm-hmm. doing something as well yet, you know, right now as we want it to, you know, we're not hitting our driver as well as we want, you know, we, we want to hit it. It's unexpectedly going, you know, crooked or, or whatever. Then how do we need to change our strategy to hedge our bet against that? The last thing on earth I would want to talk to the player about is how to do something different to hit driver better tomorrow. I mean, right. to me, that would be crazy as a coach to try to do that. Now, that's exactly where the student's going to want to go. That's exactly mm-hmm. where the golfer wants to go. And I think it's our job to make sure that the relationship doesn't go there. And when it starts to go there, do our best to steer away from there, right? Because if you're preparing mm-hmm. for tomorrow's round, based on what you did in yesterday's round, you've already lost as a competitive player, right? 
because that's not how you should be approaching mm-hmm. tomorrow's round, right? I mean, the only thing that might change is the strategy. You know, the line you take off the tee might change, or the club you just you know. I, I'm making this up, but on that on the eighth hole, you know, where you have to where it's all forced carry on that par three, and it's right on the number at seven iron, but in the practice round and in yesterday's round, our irons just aren't crisp and we're not quite hitting them as solid as we want. Well, maybe we're not going to hit eight iron tomorrow. We're going to hit seven iron. We're not going to try to hit eight mm-hmm. iron better. Right. B- b- because now we're mm-hmm. thinking about mechanics, you know, now we're playing, now we're playing golf swing instead of golf. We're going to change the strategy right. and then just swing the seven iron. Yes. It might go over the flag and yes, we might have a 35 footer, instead of the 15-footer that we thought we were going to get with the 8-iron, but, but that's what we need to do. We certainly don't need to think about how we're going to work on our golf game tonight on the range or tomorrow morning in the warm-up to try to hit the iron better. And so I, I try to just not let it go there, you know, and, and if the student is insistent upon it going there, then well, I'm giving away all my secrets tonight. If the student is insistent <laughs> upon it going there, uh, frankly, I will I will usually try to give them something that is so vague that 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 I know it's completely harmless to anything that they might do, right? Just so that they're satisfied that we talked about putting, right? And gave them something similar to what Sue is talking about, right? I, you know, I, I, again, I'm making this up as I go, but. But, I, you know, I want you to focus on the one dimple that the putter's going to hit, and that's how we're going to hit it more solidly. Well, that's crazy, right? I mean, that's not going to make you hit mm-hmm. it more solid. But if, but, but if they believe that they have something now, I, look, I, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, this is bad news if my students are listening to this. I hope they're listening, but I hope they're not <laughs> because I'm giving myself away. It, it just You can't let a student go there. You just can't. Right, because if that's where you yeah. are, if you're standing on the practice range, thinking about how badly you hit it today, trying to figure out how to do it better tomorrow, you've already lost. Like you got no mm-hmm. chance. I mean, Sue, you may disagree, but but I just I just don't think that's how it works. It doesn't work that way no, at the I'm highest totally levels good. of the game. It doesn't work that way mm-hmm. at the lowest levels of the game. It just doesn't work that. That's not how human performance works, right? That's if, exactly. If Simone yep. Biles was thinking about how she miss that flip on the last tumbling run when she gets ready to go into the next one, she would literally break her neck. That's exactly yeah. why she pulled out of the Olympics, right? Because mm-hmm. she didn't mm-hmm. have the confidence that she could enter that tumbling run with no fear. And she knew she mm-hmm. was endangering herself physically and her entire team with the medal on the line. Like you cannot do that. You can't go into tomorrow Worrying about what you did today. That's a recipe for failure every time. Every time. Yep. And, yeah, and it goes back to, you know, something that Sue said earlier, in, and that is, you know, every day is, is really a different game. What you brought today, even though it may not have happened the way you wanted, you might play entirely different again tomorrow. So if you start, you know, and, and what we often see with a lot of students is they start tweaking things mid-round even. I mean, not obviously the more elite players, they don't do that. Um, but some of our junior or, or, or less accomplished players, um, if they're not doing something correctly, they'll start to 
analyze it while they're on the golf course. Say, well, you know, maybe my grip's not strong enough, so I need to strengthen my grip. And the next time, by the time they get about three holes down, they've ended up making a mess of of their game mm-hmm. entirely. So you're you're exactly right. You, you have to, you know, you have to uh, uh, certainly adapt as you go along, but you don't start reinventing the wheel. Um, you know, certainly mm-hmm. mid round or mm-hmm. even after the round. Going into the next day, there's other things, as you said, changing the strategy and how you approach things, uh, as you pointed out, uh, Brandon, I think is, is the best way to go. Um, all right, guys. Well, listen, I want to thank you both. Uh, it was interesting conversation uh, on both parts, and I appreciate, as always, you bringing your best. And uh, just very quickly, um, uh, Sue, I'll let you go first. Then, Brandon, if uh, you want the folks to be able to uh, reach you and get in touch, if they'd like to do so, what's the best way they can go about that? Yeah. Um, number one, I have an Amazon number one international best-selling book. It's on Amazon. It's called Golf Elastic Inches. So that's more of a mental mental book. But um, or you can reach me at um, Sue Weger Golf, and that's S U E W I E G E R Golf dot com. Or you can call me. Everybody, you know, just call me for a consult at four eight zero three nine two six five six three. So I really enjoyed Brandon. Great insights as usual. So thank you, Ted. I appreciate you both. Brandon, well, go ahead. Well, thanks, Sue. It's always it's always fun. I, I, you know, you bring you bring such a cool perspective. You know, on the mental and the physical side working together. You know, sometimes us as instructors forget some of that stuff and forget to teach that stuff. And so it's always nice to to get reinforcement. And so it, it, it's always fun. Everything I have out there is under Stooksbury Golf. Uh, my last name is funny, but if you can figure out how to spell it, it'll get you access to everything I have. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, website, everything's there. Um, if, if you get lost and you can't figure out Stooksbury, just go to BS Golf. Uh, and yes, I did that on purpose because I know what everybody's thinking when they hear that. But uh, it really stands for Brandon <laughs> Stooksbury. It gets your minds out of the gutter, right? Um, BSGolf.com if you forget how to spell Stooksbury. But similar to Sue, my two books are available on Amazon, the Putter Book, the Wedge Book. Um, you know, I, I appreciate all the comments and, and reviews and any, any questions anybody's got. You can reach out to me through the website. My cell phone number's there as well. Uh, I'm always happy to talk to folks and, and uh, you know, connect with anybody I can. So, Ted, thanks so much. It's always a good time. All right. All right. Appreciate it, both of you. Have a great uh, rest of your week and weekend, and I'll see you next time here on the Coach's Corner panel here on Golf Talk Live. God bless both of you, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Ted. Yeah, thanks, Ted. All right. That, w- that was uh, Sue Weger and Brandon Stukesbury joining me on the Coach's Corner panel segment of Golf Talk Live. And before I bring out uh, this evening's special guests, uh, here's a, a couple of quick messages from some of our sponsors. This edition of Golf Talk Live is brought to you by Golf Pal. The best place to find only the finest in golf training aids and accessories. Get in on some great deals on leading products such as Down Underboard, Rough Soto, Golf Slingshot and more. Visit GolfPal.Golf today. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Golf Pal. We're serious about your game. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as 
the latest golf instruction from America's top pros. Simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, uh, welcome back, and I'm very excited to have uh, two great guests on tonight. Uh, first up is Zach Williams. He's the co-founder and lead product innovator for DriveForce LLC and has taken a decidedly personal journey on his way to forming uh, this sports uh, nutrition company uh, specializing in functional health products. Also joining uh, tonight is uh, another special guest, Adam Koloff, uh, owner and director of instruction at the Pure Drive Golf uh, with over 12 years experience as a golf instructor. Uh, began his teaching career being mentored by Hall of Fame golf instructor Jim McLean and has worked with Jim for over seven years. Uh, prior to that, starting uh, Pure Golf, uh, Pure Drive Golf, excuse me, Adam was director of instruction at Liberty National Golf Course, the site of the 2017 President's Cup and has been ranked as a Golf Digest Best Young Teacher in America and a Best Young Teacher in the state of New Jersey. So please welcome my very special guest this evening, Zach Williams uh, and Adam Koloff. Good yeah, evening, hi, gentlemen, Zach and here. welcome. How you doing? Welcome to Golf Talk Live, guys. Thanks for Thanks having me. Thanks very us. much. Pleasure to be on. I appreciate it. All right, so Zach, I'm going to start with you uh, first off, and then Adam, I'll... Uh, get you to jump in as well. So, Zach, I think probably the best way to um, start this off is for you to go back a little bit and talk about um, you had experienced, I guess, uh, some health issues uh, uh, a few years back, and this sort of led you to where you are now. So talk about that a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, and then we'll work our way into where you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, and I, as I said again, uh, Ted, thanks for having us on. Um, mm-hmm. I'll spare the gory details, but a few years back, I almost uh, died. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I had definitely a few bad habits that culminated into a serious case of pneumonia. And, uh, you know, my father found me on my sofa with a 105 degree temperature because I thought it was just a fever that I'd mm-hmm. let pass. Um, recovered from that and decided to take a more proactive approach uh, to my life. And, you know, the first part of that was fitness, but quickly it became apparent that the limiting factor uh, for any of my progress was, in fact, in nutrition. And I became extremely mm-hmm. fascinated with food um, and compounds in food, uh, everything from vitamins to the essential minerals and how you know, athletes were able to, in certain forms or combinations, use them in a very targeted fashion. Uh, I started to pour over, you know, the literature. I started to get involved in online fitness communities, and I found my way to speaking with a number of, you know, experts in their fields like Luis Velasenor of Keto Gains and Menno Henselman mm-hmm. of Bayesian Bodybuilding. Um, and, yeah, that led to wanting to... to to do something in functional nutrition that applied what I was doing for myself in a more convenient way, um, in a targeted way uh, for athletes, hence Dryforce. So I, I want to just expand on that a little bit more because, you know, as, as you know, obviously through, through your journey, um, Zach, um, and particularly in golf, 
over the last probably decade or so, particularly since Tiger sort of came out on the scene, you know, fitness was not really uh, a big thing on tour. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, when we look at the era of, of players like Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer and some of the uh, more seasoned veterans of the game, uh, certainly not to say that they were unhealthy, but fitness was not a top priority. Uh, all of a sudden, Tiger comes on and he's looking at um, uh, ways of, of improving himself. He was a little skinny guy when he first came out on tour, tour in 1997, um, but uh, he quickly uh, you know, developed a, a very solid routine and regimen himself. And you know, suddenly the industry started taking note of that, and we started seeing more and more. Well, in the last several years, nutrition has become uh, in the forefront as well as just going to the gym and working out and, and so on and so forth. So you talked about looking at a variety of different products what specifically were you looking at and what was it that sort of said to you, okay, the Drive Force product, we're going to talk about DF-18. How did that come about? Um, well, good question. Uh, I'll go back to your original comment about the athletes. So, you know, there's two distinctions in approaching your health and fitness uh, for the sake of a game. One is the training, which you highlighted. And then the second is, you know, being able to execute on all that you develop when you were training. And that really comes in the form of what is in your body uh, during the time of play because, you know, it's like a car. Like, you could soup it up as much as you want, but if you don't put the right gas in it, it's not going to start at the, you know, the sound of the gun. Um, Mm -hmm. So when we started the process, we were looking to create, you know, nutritious functionally nutritious products for athletes and per the suggestions of my two co-founders investigated golf. Uh, I took a couple calls with a few amateurs and a a particular pro and I discerned quickly that there was this unanimous um, appreciation of this back nine drag, uh, you know, this, this creeping loss of focus, fatigue, um, dehydration uh, that, at least from the conversations I was having, no one could give me any kind of protocol that, that they could point to and say, yeah, this is what I do to deal with that. Uh, I kind of Mm -hmm. thought in my head that I knew why those problems were happening, but I went and searched online, you know, to see, you know, what was actually available for the players. And the thing that surprised me was there really wasn't, there really wasn't anything. Uh, No one had actually tried to, Mm solve the issue of that back nine drag um, and mm-hmm. you know seeing that the other industries were so saturated and there was just there was this opportunity to actually treat golfers like the very unique athletes that they are uh, we pursued you know prototyping DF-18. And Adam I want to bring you in on this as well um, you obviously have a very impressive teaching career and at your own facility with Pure Drive Golf. And from an instructional standpoint, health and nutrition products uh, like DF-18 we're talking about um, have really become an important role uh, not only as a teacher but um, in helping your students become better players. So how did you get introduced to DF-18? And tell us a little bit about um, the role you're now playing in helping your students better understand the importance of what Zach's talking about. Uh, for sure. Yeah, pleasure to be on the show. Uh, thanks again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
a good friend of mine who's in the golf business reached out to me. Uh, he told me that uh, I needed to uh, meet this guy. He's got something uh, that he's um, introducing into uh, the game. Uh, it's, it helps with hydration, with focus, with energy. Uh, so to be honest, I kind of rolled my eyes because I've, I've heard of various things that people are trying to do in the game. And I, I know there's a lot of products out there. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, I set up a time to meet with Zach at my facility um, and we started talking about the F-18, and I was super impressed with Zach's knowledge of nutrition. And I got the sense that this was, this was legitimate, this, Zach was serious, and it wasn't, uh, what he was describing to me was something that I was very interested in. Um, like he was mentioning, um, it's going to help the golfer on the back nine. It's going to help them maintain focus, maintain en- energy, and obviously that's something that everybody wants. And this mm-hmm. is, uh, it's not, it's not Gatorade. Okay. He's not, he didn't put a lot of sugar in it. It's, it's sugar free. Uh, there's no caffeine in it. So it was, it was healthy. And that's something that, that I was attracted to. Um, but yeah, the role of, of health is so important in the game. Everyone's trying to, to get an edge to get better. Uh, golfers are going to buy new equipment. They're going to take lessons. Um, they're going to work out in the gym. Uh, but golfers now are also turning to nutrition, and a lot of them need to uh, turn to nutrition because um, it is a big part. It's, it's going to help you uh, get that edge. It's going to help your mind. And as we know, the, the mental aspect of the game is so important. You have to be focused, and you have to be mm-hmm. focused for over four hours. Um, and so that's something I talk to my students a lot about. Uh, and and DF-18, it, it's really helpful in that sense. It really helps you stay focused um, throughout the entire route. And, and talk about, if you wouldn't mind, just so that the people have a better understanding, because, you know, obviously in, in 2020 with this pandemic and that, we've, um, you know, had kind of a, a, an upside-down year, to say the least. Um, but one of the positives that has come out of this, at least for the, from the golf industry standpoint, is there's a lot of new people um, that have come to the game, obviously wanting just to get out and, and do something because they've been cooped up for a while. And so golf has really seen an uptick. So you've got a lot of new people that maybe haven't experienced or don't really understand um, what happens to them out, you know, uh, on the golf course, uh, you know, after nine or ten holes. Um, and this is something that, yeah. again, you're starting, Adam, to understand um, with your players. So maybe you could just touch on that a little bit and explain to why something like this is important because you know I, I can just drink some water or you know or i can have as you said a gatorade or something but talk about what some of the difference and, and zach then i'm going to bring you back and i'm going to get you to get more specific in it uh, but maybe from a from a, an instructional standpoint and from uh, working with your students adam maybe you could touch on that is what is it doing to help them make them better specifically yeah well like you said, the golf, golf is definitely going through a boom right now. I can tell you firsthand as an instructor and a, and a business owner, um, I've never seen anything like this. Um, it's, it's obviously really exciting, um, and it's, it's one of the positives uh, from COVID. So, it's, mm-hmm. so anyway, there's a lot of golfers now, and they're going through the same process that we all go through, and they're trying to get better. Um, and first, they need to understand that it takes a lot of practice. 
obviously. Uh, you need to develop a, a golf swing. You need to develop a, a game. There's, there's a lot of different aspects to the game. One of those aspects is, is like I mentioned before, your mental game. Um, you know, what's your attitude like out there? What's your course strategy like? Are you making good decisions? And so uh, often players will fall apart on the golf course, and they might blame things such as their swing, the equipment that they're playing. Um, often they might not be uh, in a good state of mind because of what they've been eating or drinking that day. Maybe they haven't uh, drink drinking enough water or they haven't have uh, the right amount of nutrients um, from what they ate. Things like that play such an important role in helping you stay focused. So when players are um, optimizing their performance, they can't forget that it's also they have to do things such as, you know, eating the right things, drinking the right things to help them stay focused. These are, um, these are also very important aspects of, of maximizing your performance on the course. Well said. Um, Zach, I want to bring you back in here as well, and let's talk about some of the components uh, of DF-18 particularly. Um, what is it doing? How is it helping? Um, we know what the results are going to be, but what is it specifically doing? What is it that's happening to the golfers out in the golf course that this is helping to alleviate some of that, as we might refer to brain fog a little bit and uh, maybe a, a lethargic feeling because we're out of steam because of the heat or what have you. What's happening to our body and what is specifically is DF-18 doing to help replenish some of those areas that maybe we're struggling with? Yeah, um, it's his favorite topic of mine because it was a big part of <laughs> what I was trying to figure out even just for myself as a recreational athlete. So, what Adam was describing a second ago, um, you know, it's all about how you can spend all the time practicing your technique, but if your body is starting to get in the way, uh, which it can do when you're putting it under a lot of heat stress or, you know, your mm -hmm. fluid electrolyte balance is off and your blood volume is dropping, um, your technique is now something that you have to actively implement more and more as you know, your motor functions and ability to think is in decline. And I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, when you're mildly dehydrated or you lose 2% of your weight in water, um, that is a state where you don't even feel that you're dehydrated, but all studies that have analyzed this show that every marker of performance and cognition starts dipping. If you actually feel thirsty when you're out on the golf course, you're past mild dehydration, and the best you can do is play catch-up. And if you've got to mm -hmm. make a shot in two minutes, like, you're, you're just going to have to deal with it. And that's a simple fact of, you know, biology. So um, there's the variety of reasons why this happens I could go on and on about. But, you know, fundamentally it is about uh, a, an imbalance in your fluid electrolytes uh, and because of that dropping blood flow. Um, so the two ingredients I think I could point to to explain how DF-18 helps are the arugula extract, which provides dietary nitrates, and the electrolytes and glycerol, which promotes long-term hydration. So dietary nitrates, if people don't know, help the body convert uh, into nitric oxide, which helps regulate blood flow and is very heart healthy and healthy for your uh, circular system, um, cardiovascular system, excuse me. 
Um, sorry, you were going to say something? Well, what I was going to ask you is I just wanted to follow up a little bit on that. So obviously, um, from what you mentioned earlier, is um, there aren't uh, the sugars and a lot of the ingredients that we find in a lot of the sports drinks out there. So is this something that is going to be better for because uh, obviously there's folks out there of, of different uh, groups and we've got some folks out there that obviously may be diabetic. Is this something that is safe for them uh, typically yes. because it's not containing a lot of the sugars in that? Um, so that, that is something that if, if they're diabetic or have other uh, nutritional challenges, let's say, that this isn't going to be something that's going to, and as you mentioned as well, it doesn't, it's not loaded up with caffeine where they're going to get hopped up because that's, that's counter productive as well, correct? Yeah, caffeine is a diuretic too. So if, if you're also in a position right. where you're going to be losing water and you throw caffeine on top of it, it can exacerbate that water problem. Um, but secondarily, caffeine has a spike and a drop. So if a game is four to six hours long, um, you'll have a moment of better mental clarity, but you'll be chasing that, um, that dip like every hour or two. So also not ideal because mm-hmm. your, your mind will be on edge, <laughs> so to speak. Right. Uh, and yes, to answer your question, the, 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 the product is through and through a health product. Uh, one of the challenges mm-hmm. was to make something that was not only acutely beneficial to the game, but somebody could take on a daily basis and have it be considered part of a, a healthy regimen. Um, so yeah, that's, I, if it wasn't something I would let my parents want to drink every day, I didn't want to make it. Right. And, and, and that's important, Zach, because, you know, again, you know, there are a lot of different health challenges out there, and diabetes, unfortunately, is one that uh, has been on the rise, and we have a lot of, uh, not necessarily so many of our younger golfers, but some of our older golfers that may have that, and that's a genuine concern for them. They don't want to get out there, and if they're sure. taking something um, to, to be that issue. Zach, uh, sorry, uh, Adam, I want to come back to you. Um, and, and get into a little bit different area here. Again, going back with working with students, and obviously this is something, a conversation you're having with them. Um, how often should be, let's go through the process of when do you take the product? When's the best time to, to get the best um, performance uh, out of using this product? And again, it's not um, necessarily enhancing anything. It's just taking care of certain issues that you're going to be faced with out in your round. So talk about that a little bit. Um, with students that you're working with, as an example, if you want to give an example, that'd be great. Um, when should they be taking it? How often they should be taking it? And when's the best time, uh, pre-round, post-round, during? What's the best time for them to uh, be using DF18? Uh, well, I take it all the time, uh, but that's true. I, I take it daily. Uh, so when I play, I take it in the morning before I play. Uh, and that's what I recommend to all my players. Um, so if they're playing in the afternoon, I'll have them take it maybe just after lunch. So always before the round, uh, I'm sure Zach can can get into more specifics mm-hmm. on why that's important. But that's what I tell my players. Uh, take it before your round. Um, and what's great about it is that it gives you that that stamina for for the entire round. It gives you that sustained energy. It's not like caffeine where you get this real spike uh, and you're really stimulated for mm-hmm. a short period of time and then you crash and then you kind of lose focus and 
Um, it's not it's not like that. It, it keeps you focused. The way I would describe it is you don't feel tired, so that allows you to stay focused and stay energized um, throughout the round. Uh, so, yeah, it's just it's not too much of a stimulant. That's that's one of the biggest things that I really liked about this product. I, I'm a caffeine drinker. I I drink coffee all the time. I'm not going to give up coffee. Mm-hmm. I love coffee, but when I go play <laughs> golf, I need something that's uh, not like coffee where you're too stimulated. You know, you don't want to get the jitters from coffee mm-hmm. when you're playing on the golf course. So dry force, it's perfect. It's, you know, it just gets you, you know, focused and it keeps you hydrated. Those are, those are important things. Yeah, the last thing you want to be standing over a three-foot putt and uh, having the jitter, so definitely you don't want to be hopped up on caffeine or some other sugary drink. And believe me, right. I'm sure at some point right. we've all been there over the years. So, yeah, that's not a good thing. Um, Zach, I want to throw you back in here as well just to, to f- sort of follow up on, on Adam's point about when to take it. So, you know, he, he's saying, you know, in his case, for instance, he recommends taking it before the round. How how much before the round? Is this something, you know, a few minutes before? Is this an hour before? What to get the optimal performance um, through dry, the Dry Force DF18 product? When's the best time to actually take it, and how how much before, how much time before maybe playing should we sure. be taking it? Yeah, I mean, Dry Force is so on the focus side. Adam was alluding to this. It's not about making you more focused so much as helping make sure you don't lose focus. Um, when, right. when you're playing a game and you're out in the elements, there are a variety of stresses that are placed on you that can contribute to you losing focus for a variety of reasons. Um, if you are showing up to the game tired, I might take it 45 minutes before. But if you're fresh mm-hmm. as a daisy by the time you start, like drinking it at the first hole is fine. The point is like, to make sure that you get to stay the same player from hole one to hole 18, and that's uh, that's what DF18 was designed to do, and does rather well. Um, Drive Force 18 does does that job rather well. And you had mentioned earlier about um, you know di- diabetes and some of the older generation of people um, and what they're going through on the mm-hmm. golf course. That's what's been the f- most fun, I think, for me as we um, launched and have you know gone out to a couple events and had people try is say the younger generation seems to respond the most to our message, uh, you know, what, what drive force mm-hmm. is going to do for you and so on and so forth. But it's the folks who are 50, 60 years old and up who come back with the most to say about how much better they felt when they were playing. And it's great right. for me to hear. It's also not necessarily that uh, surprising because, you know, the young guys can brush off, um, when they're waning towards the end, and they might have a little bit more stamina, so to speak. But folks that have been playing right. golf for so long, they know by the 14th hole, I'm I'm done. Uh, you know, like it's like clockwork, right. so to speak. So when they get to go past it and not feel like they're dipping, um, it, it, it's really pronounced, and they tell us about it. In fact, one of the coolest was when we went to New Seabury a few weeks back. They were playing a 27-hole um, game, and two folks came up to us and just described how, like, in one instance, 
he was the only person that had sampled DF-18, and it seemed like when everybody else was fading, he just kept getting better, um, which was amusing mm-hmm. him because it's usually going in the opposite direction. And another gentleman right. said that, um, you know, he played – if he's playing 18 holes, that's a struggle. 27 is a no-go, but he felt flat-out good. for, And it was a, it was 95 degrees and humid down, by, down at the Cape. So that was really great for me uh, to, to see DF-18 have such a stress test placed on it and, and still um, surpass expectations. So let me ask you um, another question about the product itself. You know, you mentioned that there are obviously a lot of different things uh, out there on the market. And that, uh, what are some of the differences? Because uh, there are some. You know, we, we've obviously we can't lie. I mean, there there are some similar products out in the market. What differentiates DF18 from some of the other uh, competitors out there? Uh, well, it works. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but. <laughs> Um, no, but in all seriousness, um, I think two main differences. Uh, one is the length of time it was designed for. Um, if you look at some mm-hmm. of the similar products, um, you'll notice that in the fine print, they recommend, say, you take one at hole one, you take one at hole ten, and then you take another one as needed. Um, ours right. was designed specifically for a one and done because in our minds it was not only possible but it was important because golf is just hard enough to like throw in another protocol um into your game Mm -hmm. um and then two you know ours was designed very specifically for golfers um the right there's a variety of other products that are marketed to golfers that were actually really just repurposed from their design for other types of athletes. Like, you know, the sugar sports drinks are the biggest um, example I can come up with. Uh, But, you know, others are just repurposed um, GNC bodybuilder type um, formulas with maybe a lower amount of caffeine or no caffeine at all. Um, You know, I encourage people to turn over the label and look, uh, you know, at the ingredients and then go compare what they see in, like, say, a local TNC pre-workout or stim-free pre-workout section. There's a, there's a lot of similarities they'll see. But if they look at what's in DF-18, um, they're not going to find another product that looks like that. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you know, when you look in the nutritional fields and, and in the uh, workout arena and that, there's a, a ton of different products. And unfortunately, you know, as you said, when you look in the fine print, a lot of ingredients that you you typically find are high sugars um one being one uh, a lot of them have uh that caffeine as as you both have mentioned and you know on the surface it sounds well, okay well that's just like my coffee and it's okay to take coffee but uh, again you know as you progress through the round and you're out in the heat and things start to take effect um you know you you start to sort of climb up and then you hit that spike and then it it, it just comes crashing down, and then you're either having to, as you said, take something two or three times throughout the round, which becomes a little bit daunting and, and a little bit ineffective. Um, yeah. So how do we take it? Um, is it in a powder form? Is it in a liquid form? What's the best way to take it to, to get the optimum uh, uh, effects? Well, it's in a powder form, and you pour it into a bottle of water, and then you drink it down. Um, 
the main point is to get the ingredients in there. So depending on taste um, and how much of it you want to drink at once, you could put a little bit of water in and, and just take it all the way down. You can put it into up to 20 ounces or more, you know, depending on preference. But I think, you know, the most important thing is once the ingredients are in, uh, all that you'll need to do to maintain your game for four to six hours across even up to 27 holes so far is just to sip on water as needed. Um, right. So, you know, I will just, you know, Adam thinks I'm crazy, but, you know, I'll just put, I'll put it into four <laughs> ounces and knock it back. <laughs> <laughs> Much like a shot. Yeah, it's, a, it's um, a pretty strong, it's a strong taste. Yeah. I always, I always, you know, have maybe 16, 20 ounces of water. Uh, I think that's the best way to take it. And and Adam, let me ask you then, from your own personal experience here, um, you know, you, you just mentioned, you know, you prefer to take it in a little bit more uh, water. So again, this is something that you want to sort of drink down up front. It's not something you're nursing throughout the round, correct? It's something that you're taking up front um, before you're actually going out and playing. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I think you could go either way. I... I'll drink it before a round, but if there if I only drink half and I have uh the rest when I'm playing, that's fine. Um I don't think you're you're gonna lose any benefit. Um but yeah, I always mix it with a lot of water and I always I always try to finish it before I, I start the round. And if I don't, that's fine. So that's what I now, um, I'm gonna... that's what I always recommend. Now I'm going to play guys a little devil's advocate here because, and you'll know when I when I bring this up why I'm going to say this. We know some of our golfers like to have some refreshments out in the golf course. That's just part of the game. Um, is this something that you would recommend they wait until after their round to enjoy some of the other beverages? Um, uh, because obviously it, that's going to be, I would assume, uh, Zach. I'm going to go to you for this one. That would probably be a little counterintuitive to. Uh, you know, to have your DF-18 before the round and then three, four holes in, you, you know, having a Bud Light or something, that's probably not going to be beneficial. Would, would that be accurate? Well, it's funny that you should say that. Um, <laughs> the first investor that we have, um, he, he decided to contribute after he took a prototype I made out in uh, 2020 summer, one of the hottest days, you know, at, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and he was astounded that he was able to consume four to six, I think it was a, t- a Bud Light or something like that, over the course of this round, and he was fine. Um, and Wow. Yes, I mean, it's, it, it, the, the, the hydration, hyperhydration elements of DF-18 are very effective, and, you know, mm-hmm. this, is, uh, this is something that is about one of the ingredients, it will also help mitigate um, a hangover the next day. Um, oh, and wow. it certainly <laughs> serves as a very nice hangover, uh, not cure, but in fact, here's a, fun, here's a fun little anecdote from Allison, who I wish was here to tell the story. But when she, right. um, she, she was like Adam, one of the first trialists, um, she had like 12 packs of the prototype with her, uh, and she's a whoop fiend. And 
you know, she did monitoring herself. And one thing she always noted was that if she had one or two glasses of wine in the evening, she would wake up the next day and, you know, her reads would almost always be in the red, if not in the red borderlining on orange and red. And yet when Mm -hmm. she drank DF-18 that day for an afternoon round, she woke up the next day expecting to see red and she was green. And Hmm. in all the subsequent days after that, even with the glasses of wine in the evening, she was always green except for one day where she was borderline green and orange. And according to her, that was one of the moments that it was just, it, it all was like, okay, this is, this is good for me, and it does my game good, too. Adam, let me ask you, um, just to follow up on that's a great story, Zach. Thank you. Um, you're also using uh, a whoop, and you noticed DF-18 had an immediate impact. Tell us about that. Yeah, I've been wearing whoop for, uh, I'd say, almost a year now, and I'm always looking at my sleep uh, the following day. I'm always curious how much deep sleep I get, REM sleep, um, and it gives you a recovery score. And uh, since I started wearing Whoop, I, I became more um, conscious of, of what I'm putting into my body. So I, it's really helped me in a lot of different ways. Um, I started to drink a lot more water. Uh, I started eating uh, a little bit more healthy foods, and it definitely has helped my sleep. So long story short, um, I was taking DF-18 frequently, um, and then, Zach, this is like during the trial phase when we're, we're testing it out and Zach and I are going back and forth. Zach didn't have any more DF-18, so for about, it could have been a week or two weeks, I didn't have any. Um, and my sleep wasn't so good. My scores weren't good. And I got some <laughs> more DF-18 from Zach. And that day when I took it, the next morning I woke up, I looked at my mood scores, and it was, like, off the charts. Like, you know, my sleep, <laughs> my, I was in the green. I, I, I got all the numbers I wanted. It was awesome. And I, I sent um, Zach a screenshot, and I was like, whoa, man, this is, this is super cool. So it goes beyond the game. <clears throat> it's, it's more than just a product for, for golf. Um, it really does help you in a lot of different ways. And for me, it was cool to see how – it, it also helps me sleep better. Well, and I think, and, and just to let the audience know who you were referring to, uh, Allison Walsh is also um, uh, part of the team as well. She's uh, obviously using the product and, and had some great things. I actually had her on uh, one of the shows here recently, and she obviously to talk a little bit about uh, Drive Force as well, and obviously uh, is, a, is a big proponent of it. Um, so... You know, I think one of the the frustrations, guys, that a lot of golfers have besides, you know, a a not-so-well-struck golf shot is the fact that they run out of steam or they have a lack of energy or stamina throughout their round. And this is obviously something, Zach, that you particularly wanted to, not just from a a nutritional standpoint, but from... uh, the physical and mental challenges that one faces out in the golf course, this is something right. uh, that was also driving uh, the, the drive force uh, movement, if you will, right? Yes. Yes. And when you first brought it out, when you first tried it in that, was your intent to um, 
replace what was currently available um, in the sense that, you know, again, we, and I referred to this earlier, you know, we talk about some of the sports drinks and things that are out there that typically kind of hop you up or get you a, a sugar fix, but then you come crashing down. This was really something to sort of address the frustration level that a lot of golfers had and the stamina issues that a lot of golfers had. Um, this is really what your purpose was, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, I was frustrated, too, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a very short amount of time, I had identified a variety of symptoms, which, in my head, I drew lines to very rather quickly. And the products that were being offered to golfers were just on the opposite side of the spectrum of what they needed. Like, you know, I was coming across articles about 20 grams of sugar every hour. I was saying to myself, they're not football players. Um, you know, articles right. saying just drink water. And I'm like, if you're out there sweating and you're losing your electrolytes, like that's going to inhibit your ability to stay hydrated. That's a bad solution. So, you know, just by appreciating athletes in general and appreciating, you know, that golfers were a very unique athlete. You know, they needed to be, mm-hmm. you know, high endurance across six hours for the sake of making high-risk um, decisions and the deployment of extremely fine motor skills. They deserved something uh, that catered to them very specifically, which no one seemingly um, tried to really do. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was, you know, it was an honor. To, to, be, to think that, that we could be the first to try to really do that. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, as I said, there, there's a lot of different products that we see out in the market that make a lot of different claims. Um, but you guys have actually, as you mentioned earlier, you know, put it to the test. You took it out to golfers at a variety of different tournaments, and especially, um, surprisingly enough, you found uh, some of our more seasoned golfers that actually reap benefits. You know, obviously, as you pointed out, um, guys, is, you know, some of our younger players out there, they can, you know, they can kind of combat a lot of different things, you know, at that age. But when you start getting up into my age, you know, late 50s, um, you just don't have the same uh, ability to do that. So, you know, we need whatever edge we can uh, afford. And this is something that obviously... Uh, is what you're trying to do with DF18. So, Zach, tell us about how the folks that are tuning into the show and, and others uh, that might be interested, how can they go about getting their hands on that? Is it available uh, generally in the market right now, or where can we, where can we get some? Yeah, Drive Force uh, is out, and it's currently online at www.driveforce.golf. Uh, we have you know, a sample pack up, uh, but we also have packs of 10, 2030, and we'll soon be introducing a subscription model. Um, I just kind of want to double back because I think it's important what you just said about sure. you know other mm-hmm. products with claims. Um, that was that mm-hmm. was something that as a team, when we came up with the prototype, um, we thought was extremely important, and that was we needed to go and find people that that this mattered to, and get them to mm-hmm. validate it. You know, because if it didn't work, there was no point. Um, and that's where you know we fortunately found Adam, uh, Allison, and then we spent, you know, the, the next eight months with them, uh, you know, making sure that it not only worked, but that it was 
fine-tuned uh, to the best of our abilities. Um, so, you know, this was, the, this mm-hmm. was a R&D process before, you know, we, we, we set the, the lights to green. So, you know, it, to, to, right. in my mind, in my mind uh, it, it, has, it has been validated by professionals, and we definitely made it for professionals. Right. Well said. And, and Adam, let me just follow up with you a little bit on this. And, you know, because you talked about earlier how this is an everyday thing. This is not just something that, well, hey, I'm playing golf next Tuesday, so I'll, you know, take a pack with me and have it before. Um, this is something that really uh, you've incorporated in a, in a, you know, not just during the, uh, your golf game, but an everyday process. Um, is, is that accurate? Yeah. And, and if so, why do you feel it's something that, is beneficial outside of just playing golf? Well, I run a business and I'm a teacher and I'm always trying to stay on my game um, physically mm-hmm. and mentally. So it doesn't matter if I'm playing in a golf tournament. I'm always trying to be, I'm always trying to look for that edge um, just so I'm successful. Um, I, I take my job very seriously. I try to be the best um business owner and teacher that I can. So I'm always looking for products and things that can help me. So Drive Force, it's great for golf, obviously. That's what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. But I take it daily because it just helps my focus and it, and it gives me the nutrients I need to stay hydrated. So I, don't, uh, I drink a lot of water, but I don't have to drink as much water. Um, that, was, that was one of the things that I did change when I started um, – wearing whoop i started to drink a lot of water which did help but then when zach introduced bf18 um, i didn't have to drink as much water which i thought was interesting um so it's it's great it really does help me in a lot of different ways um and so uh it's just you know I'm, i'm fortunate that zach um introduced me to bf18 because yeah it's it's great for golf but it's more than that yeah, it's, it's been great in, in a lot of different ways. That's fantastic. Um, Zach, what's going to be next? Is is um, is everything pretty much, am I going to find in DF18, or are there other things that you're working on as well coming down the road? <laughs> well, we do have a pipeline. Um, I think what's more interesting than the pipeline, because, uh, you know, there's DF Pro, um, there are a couple, mm-hmm. like, uh, there's a protein that I've been working on that is a little more inclusive of connective tissue and skin health and things like that than just, you know, whey or aminos. But to what Adam was just describing about how it's much more uh, than just for golf, the, the, if you go on the website and you, you go to the product page at the bottom with the reviews, you, you'll see a, a few people that have found it who are not, golfers like we have one guy who's a carpenter Mm -hmm. and he found that it works better than his gatorade or red bulls ever did for working an eight-hour shift you know doing door frames uh we have a business owner who's a personal trainer who's a dad and goes to classes and also has to work out um and like this helps him get through his entire day where before he was always struggling with you know the fatigue and lethargy similar to what golfers would experience in the back nine and uh, there's a gentleman uh, by the name of Pat Giganti, who is a respected uh, physical trainer here in Massachusetts out of Reading. 
he trains D1 mm-hmm. uh, and professional golfers, um, hockey players, uh, lacrosse players, you name it. And he's actually just become an influencer of ours because he's ex- he has been introducing it to um, his hockey players, uh, like the captain of the BC hockey team, who's the first draft pick for what team I forget, is hooked on it now. And so DF-18 is finding <laughs> its way into other other sports athletes' hands, and they're liking it too. Um, so, you know, between that and all of the plans that, you know, we have in motion for the pipeline, there's just a whole lot of really exciting things that are beginning to happen organically because, mm-hmm. you know, when people take DF-18, they, they appreciate it on a variety of different levels. Yeah, and, and that's something too. Again, it's it's just a natural progression. You're going to see more and more athletes, um, you know, obviously wanting to have that edge and wanting to uh, be able to improve their stamina and that, and don't want to feel like they have to, you know, take products or things that are maybe not going to be beneficial for them in the long run. Um, yep. So a product like this that you know is able to to you know accomplish what it is they're looking for and give them an overall better off feeling. I, I notice here I'm actually looking at your website right now. And uh, I noticed that it's available in pineapple passion fruit. Uh, is that currently what's available now? And are there other flavors uh, that you're looking at bringing down at some point? Mango peach will be out in about uh, in around October, mid October. Um, after that, we mm-hmm. have plans for apple crisp. Uh, it's a shell game between you know inventory management right. <laughs> and the crazy COVID supply sure. chain. Right. But there is a there there is some other uh, options going to be available as as you move forward and things uh, hopefully uh, get into a better path uh, for everybody. But um, well, you know what? It's interesting, guys, and in, in it's an interesting product. Um, I have not tried it, but I am going to for sure because uh, Lord only knows uh, at my age I need a little bit of help. So I'm going to definitely uh, uh, partake in, in some of the the product. It looks uh, to be fantastic and. And, um, you know, as I said, Allison came on uh, my show uh, just a short time ago and, and uh, talked about the product a little bit as well. So, But uh, I appreciate you guys. I'm going to give uh, uh, Zach and Adam, I'll give you both a, a few minutes. Zach, if you want to, uh, any final uh, comments or thoughts that you want to uh, reflect to the audience, by all means. And uh, Adam, uh, as well, if you want to do anything. And, and please feel free to also... Uh, talk about your uh, your golf uh, side of things as well. If you want to give a quick uh, shout out and and uh, let the folks uh, know how they can get in touch with you, uh, Zach, you go first. Yeah, just first of all, thanks Ted for having us on. This is a grand time. Um, as far mm-hmm. as DF eighteen or Drive Force eighteen goes, uh, if anybody out there uh, worries before they go play about you know the back nine issues that might creep up, just Give DF-18 a try. Drink it at the first hole and, and, and let us know how you feel by the 18th. And you can check us out at www.driveforce.golf. And also follow us on Drive Force Golf on Instagram. Uh, we have a, a, a variety of what we call Drive Force athletes coming out to talk about the product soon, which I think folks will be interested to see. So thank you. Yeah, not a problem. My pleasure. And Adam, uh, any final thoughts uh, with respect to the product? But also feel free to uh, uh, give a, a short plug if you want uh, on Pure Drive Golf as well, your business. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, what I would say to your listeners is uh, 
if you're out there and you're not playing great, it's, it's not always uh, your golf swing. It's not always your equipment. Um, it could be something else. Um, you have to look at what you're fueling your body. What are you drinking? What are you eating? Those are very important things that you have to consider if you're the type of golfer that wants to get that edge and you want to maximize performance. Um, you really got to start to um, look at what you're putting in your body. So if you want to learn more about myself, um, you can check me out on Instagram. I'm constantly putting tips out there. Uh, it's A-Co-Op, A-K-O-L-L-O-F-F. My business, Pure Drive Golf, uh, we are a indoor training facility just north of Boston. You can, you can find us at puredrivegolf.com uh, for more information. And thanks again for having me on the show. Well, I appreciate it, guys. It's been very interesting and informative. And uh, I just want to say in closing, um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not the golf instructor out there um, that's maybe causing you to uh, uh, have some shortfalls out in the, in the golf, uh, golfing world. It may be you're losing a little bit of steam on that back nine. So uh, go to driveforce.golf and, and uh, try out DF18. I think you're going to find it's going to help your game overall. So, guys, thank you very much. I appreciate it, as always, uh, coming on. Uh, please, uh, you know, stay in touch and let me know how things go and anything I can do to help promote you guys uh, uh, moving forward down the road. I'm always happy to do that. But uh, thank you guys for joining me this evening. Thank you, Ted. Thanks very much. All right. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, that was uh, Zach Williams, the co-founder and lead product invader of innovator, excuse me, of DriveForce. Uh, uh, product is DF18, which is a a, um, a great product. It's uh, in powder form. You add it to some water and you take that uh, pre-round just before you go out and play, and uh, you'll be good for your 18 holes. And Adam uh, Koloff uh, is the owner and director of instruction at Pure uh, Drive Golf uh, up in. Uh, just north of Boston, Massachusetts. As he mentioned there, you can uh, learn more about him as well. And he's also uh, obviously uh, involved uh, with Drive Force as well as uh, in supporting uh, the product and, and the mission behind it. So um, again, go to driveforce.golf if you want to uh, purchase some. I'm going to do that and uh, learn more about it. There's a lot of great information on there as well. All right. Uh, again, once again, thanks to Sue Weger and Brandon Stukesbury earlier on for helping me uh, muscle through another Coach's Corner panel. I always appreciate uh, the gang when they come on. It's a lot of fun and always have some interesting conversations. Be safe out there. There's a lot of uh, things going on here. Uh, obviously, Hurricane uh, Ida that went through the uh, south here um, this past uh, week uh, was very devastating in the Louisiana and New Orleans and, and uh, other areas down there. But obviously, as it moved a little bit further, it's impacted uh, a lot of the northeast as far up as uh, not only Philadelphia, but across through to New York and New Jersey and, and other places in between, uh, Pennsylvania, and has caused a lot of devastation and um, has been uh, just uh, so our thoughts and prayers are, are out there with, with all of the families out there. And just uh, be careful. Uh, listen to your, your local authorities to, uh, uh, to get that information. Uh, make sure you stay tuned to the news as they provide more information. Um, and just be safe out there. Uh, God bless everybody. And I will see you guys next week right here on Golf Talk Live. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, 
and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.